since I moved here a year and 10 months ago, Jeremy's been telling me what this place looks like with people in it, <laughs> with lots of people. For a year and 10 months, we've gone through this whole pandemic thing, and now things are starting to feel normal, and you look normal out there. This is great. I love it. For the record, we'll be back here at 11 o'clock next Sunday as well, so you are invited. Let's look at our scripture this morning from Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this is the last week in our series of looking at the various statements from the Apostles' Creed. We've broken it down and looked at some different part of it every week, but it's been a couple weeks since we've actually set it together. So I want to I do that again this morning and not just say it, but proclaim it with certainty thinking about all the various things we've talked about over the last couple months, let's proclaim our belief as one. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. So the final phrases of the creed that we look at today, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now some of you have been here through all of this whole series are saying, wait, we already talked about the resurrection, right? Yes, we did talk about it. Four weeks ago, when we looked at the phrase, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And doing that, we kind of jumped ahead a few weeks and looked at the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, before we got to Easter. Now we're celebrating it all out. The risen Savior, and it's what brings us here today. But beyond the fact of the resurrection of Christ, which we proclaim, this morning we also look at the impact of 
the resurrection on our lives. It's no longer just a belief. Now we're getting personal. I mean, we could, we could call this sermon if we wanted to. The resurrection happened. So what? So what? We're going to look at the so what. How does the resurrection of Jesus from the tomb impact our lives today? What are the present day results of this miraculous resurrection on that first Easter Sunday? Well, we need to look at a couple more scriptures as we consider those things. So um, we'll look at Acts chapter 2. This is a part of Peter's Pentecost sermon on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is unleashed unleashed on the people of God and they come to life and power and Peter's telling them what's gone on and he's preaching the good news about Jesus and he's told them God sent Jesus you people crucified him he's finishing up with a crucial part of his message when he talks about the resurrection and the impact of the resurrection follow along as we read This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And then we find these words in John's Gospel. These are the words of Jesus as he is speaking about what God is, is doing through him. And we need to hear this part. Listen for specifics related to eternal life or the phrase, raise up which has to do with resurrection of the body. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. I will raise them up on the last day. And finally, one other fairly well-known verse. Christina made reference to it with our kids a while ago. From Romans 6, 23, The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is not the verse she made reference to. She made reference to Romans 3, 23, about all having sinned. But then there is this verse. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Apostles' Creed ends with those things that we read about in the Scripture. Forgiveness of sin, resurrection of the body, life everlasting. 
ultimately those are the human impacts of the resurrection of our Lord. Jesus, being raised from the dead to offer us forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, life everlasting, those beliefs all become reality in the resurrection of Christ our Lord. So we don't ignore the fact that we talked about that four weeks ago. It's still the primary foundation of our faith, the risen Savior. The same resurrection that we celebrate today on Easter 2022 is what makes it all possible. It's not because we put it in a creed and recite it periodically. The resurrection is the foundation of all. But these last three statements have a little more personal feel to them because they deal specifically with us, with our spiritual condition, with our eternal destination. That's personal. Our spiritual condition, our eternal destination. So we read about the forgiveness of sin, resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. The bottom line is this. Are we going to celebrate Easter once a year where families get together and we have all kinds of celebrations and, and uh, it's a great day in the church, in the community? Do we celebrate Easter once a year? Are we going to live Easter every day as those who are experiencing the resurrected Christ in our lives on an ongoing basis? If we look at these phrases, what we see is one condition, two additional results. The forgiveness of sins, possible because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. That's the condition necessary to inherit eternal life and for the bodily resurrection. I mean, we know Christ's sacrifice on the cross would never have had the same impact without the resurrection on the third day, right? The resurrection on Easter is why we remember what happened on Good Friday. A lot of men died on Roman crosses at that time in history. It was not an unusual thing that there were human beings hanging on crosses being punished to the point of death. But only one rose from the grave after having hung on the cross. Only one was resurrected to continually live in glory, bringing us the potential of life, forgiveness, and resurrection ourselves. Well, let's start with the forgiveness of sins. A children's Sunday school teacher asked her class one day, what must you do to be forgiven? We just heard that, right? And we heard some answers. What must you do to be forgiven? A little boy in the back waves his hand and says, oh, oh, I know. First, you have to sin. Yes, and most of us have got that down pat, right? We know that part. means we all need forgiveness now I know 
and we're all aware that even on Easter Sunday, when there are usually more people at church, it's easy to just assume that everybody there knows about forgiveness and that we take for granted that everybody there has already experienced God's forgiveness and that they get it. But I've had some very real conversations with people over the years, good people, church people, choir members, people who are around and serve faithfully in the church who have come to me with a question like this. Phil, do you really believe God can forgive me? Do you really believe God will forgive me? I mean, you don't know what my life has been like. You don't know what I've done. Do you really believe God can forgive me? There is no more blessed experience than assuring someone, yes, God forgives you. There is no more potentially life-changing proclamation of truth than, yes, God forgives us no matter what we've done. God's already made the arrangements for that forgiveness through the suffering, death, and the Easter resurrection of Christ. Do we really believe that God can forgive us? We say we do with that creed. We said it just a few minutes ago. Forgiveness begins with God's proclamation that this really is available. It really can happen through Jesus Christ. The God of the universe, in his all-knowing wisdom, knows every wrong, sinful thing we've ever done, said, or thought. That doesn't bring me a lot of comfort, that God knows all of those things. He knows we're all sinners, all of us. The sins we commit come with a penalty, a price that must be paid. And as limited human beings, we are incapable of paying the price. What does bring us comfort and bring us hope and bring us life is the fact that out of great love for us, God declares he is willing to forgive us. So willing that God created the conditions necessary forgiveness to pay the price for us by the sacrifice of his son. And then to show that God really has the power to make that happen. On the third day he rose from the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. Maybe to get somebody's attention. Maybe as a as a way to prove to us, because sometimes we feel like we need proof. God raised Jesus from the dead and then invites us to accept that gift of forgiveness and everlasting life. That's Easter in a nutshell, friends. Forgiveness, new life. Everything else is secondary. And because of that, very basic truth that becomes possible through the resurrection 
This is the day that God's people should be in full celebration mode. And I feel like we have been. And then after the resurrection, God invites us to accept that gift of forgiveness and everlasting life. But there's more in the creed than just the forgiveness part, the everlasting life part. It's all there. We believe that. But there's this other statement that that wraps up the creed. Something about believing in the resurrection of the body. This creed's not only about the bodily resurrection of Jesus himself. We've talked about that already a couple weeks ago. This statement contains a long-held Christian belief that on the last day, at the return of Christ, human bodies are going to be restored to wholeness. Again, Jesus' words from John's gospel that we saw earlier. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise them up on the last day. Raise them up. That's the phrase. This is indeed the will of my Father that all who see the Son and believe in Him may have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus will raise up those who have been in waiting for the day of His return. At a funeral I attended once, the pastor who was speaking said that this person who had passed away was now in their eternal state. Well, if we believe this statement in the creed that we just said, we have to think, wait a minute, that's not, that's not quite right. You see, our dead and buried or cremated bodies are not in their final state yet. We'll only be in our eternal state when our bodies are resurrected and are fully restored to a state of wholeness. Listen to the way Paul describes it in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes these words. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they may be like his glorious body. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Wow. Transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. That's something that has been a consistent teaching of the Christian faith for a couple thousand years. But somehow we seem to have lost sight of that truth or choose to ignore it or don't talk about it much for whatever reason. Our future is not only spiritual, our future is also physical. Our bodies will be resurrected 
in a glorious state that we can't fully imagine at this point. But for me, that's worth getting excited about. There's hope in those words. There's eternal life in those words. There is power being proclaimed by the resurrection that assures that those words are true. We need that hope. We need that promise of resurrection to new life. Not just Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection of our human bodies. How does that work? I have no idea. But if God's created us as we are and created the rest of the creation that we see that reflects the creator, I have no problem restoring whole glorified human bodies is a problem for our Lord. Pretty sure God can handle that. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. We say we believe it. How's it, how's it impacting you? How's it impacting me? Are we living lives that are forgiven? Can people tell by the lives we live that we have been forgiven and therefore are changed people? Can the people around us see in the way we live that we have hope beyond this world? Resurrection to new life. I want us to do more than say we believe it. I want us to live it. Experience it because I think that's God's call to us. Come and live this life of forgiveness and resurrection and new life. We can do that. All because we serve a risen Savior whose resurrection we celebrate today. So on this Resurrection Sunday, complete the process of forgiveness by choosing life everlasting and wait hopefully and expectantly for that final resurrection of the body we say we believe in. It's all ours to receive when and only when we fully experience Easter. Not just celebrate it yearly, but when we fully experience it. When we live our lives in full celebration of the risen Lord. Now, if you're like some of those other people I've talked to in years past and you're not completely convinced God can forgive you, hey, let's talk about that. Come find Jeremy. Come find me after the service. We'd love to talk with you about that and assure you that, yes, God can forgive you. The so what's of Easter, forgiveness, resurrection, eternal life, God's gifts to the people of God. So let's go and live our lives as Easter people, those who live life as though we are totally impacted by the resurrection of the risen Lord and will never be the same because of that. Would you pray with me?
Awesome God, thank you. Thank you for your power, resurrection power that touches us and transforms us spiritually, physically. You are a life changer, a world changer as we invite you to be the Lord of our lives, the risen Savior, the reason we celebrate Easter. Thanks, God, for all that you offer us in Christ. We're humbled that you're willing to forgive us We're excited that you offer us a life-giving alternative and that in Christ it's all made possible because he is risen. He is risen indeed. In Christ's name, amen.